You are listening to The Picard, a podcast where we talk about the Picard of Star Trek, the next generation, and then Star Trek Picard. But going past that, we have some future plans for you, too. So even though this is the final episode talking about season one, season one of Star Trek Picard, this will not be the final episode of the show. No. So don't unsubscribe just yet, because I'm Dan Benjamin. You're hearing the voice of Hattie Cook. Hello. How are you? And Keith Ruckus is here Hello. live and direct from uh, from he- the Austin, Texas headquarters of his uh, his home where he's safely ensconced <laughs> and surrounded it's by- the headquarters of Keith Ruckus. A life-size- Damn right. Effigy of Jean-Luc Picard. Yes. Yeah. It, well, it was originally a real doll. I just sculpted <laughs> it to look like Jean-Luc Picard. Uh-huh. <laughs> What an episode. <laughs> wow, wow, oh wow. Oh my wow, gosh. Wow. And what a, an amazing conclusion to an amazing season. Season and new series. And oh my gosh. I will quote my son Joel, who was on the show last week, when as the credits started to roll after a few minutes, uh, moments of silence, where we w- would not look at each other. Right. No, you can't. Because then uh, you'll cry. He, he said, <laughs> I think. That is the best written thing I've ever seen. Oh, wow. Yes. And wow. uh, I know um, he loved it and I loved it. And I'm sure that you guys loved it. And oh, yes, I, I just don't even know where to start with this. They really went big. <laughs> they really went big. I feel like what an amazing Amazing episode. Do we have some good emails this week? Yes. uh, And Keith, what about some good... uh, Reviews? Reviews. (laughs) I have one one new review. Uh, Before anything else, Dan, I have to know, did you explain to your son the Kama Sutra? No. (laughs) Okay, good. You seemed really annoyed when I brought that up. No, I was not annoyed. I was just simply, it's, you know, we're not going to go there right now. I mean, (laughs) he he understands, you know, reproduction and it's scientific scientific. sense. And, um, you know, I mean, he's going to be 13 soon and kids kids learn stuff. He's got the internet. I'm not trying to shield him from reality, but I'm, you know. You know, let him be a kid for a let while. Him, I kind of, <laughs> I like to let him figure something out and then come to me with a question and I'll answer the question <laughs> and, you know, things like that. And, uh, but he hasn't brought it up either, Keith. So. I think That's it went good. right over his head. Mo- for the most yeah. part. Yeah. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> I spent a lot of time this week thinking about that. Like I probably shouldn't have said no, that. No, no, you're fine. Well, well, worth I, the bit. He curses like a sailor too. So it's, there's no surprising. <laughs> he he oh, was yes. raining it in on the show. Yeah. He, he, Man. uh. He'll, I identify the, with Joel so much. Yeah. If he and I are alone together, it, there's no holds barred with right. the cursing from him. It's like a it's like a 1920s bar. And he knows <laughs> he knows that if he ever curses like in public or in school or something like that, that certainly he, there I you will said you would I say, will disavow <laughs> having ever I will maybe even disavow that I even know him. Right. But, I don't know. That's you know, not my kid. Yeah, it's not my kid. He must have learned that somewhere at your school. <laughs> Um, so here's some feedback. Uh, and, and, you know, remember, la- oh yeah, we're all sipping. Our, let's do yeah, our final sip. sip of the Earl Grey Ready? decaf. Here it goes. Mm. It's hot. And I have an important question about synths and how mm-hmm. this new generation of synths is able to eat and drink, but we'll get there. We'll get and there. And also okay. about synths music. Yes. <laughs> um, now. I remember last episode, I said I wanted to get more feedback than we've gotten 
all season for this final yes, episode. And did that come through? No, it's the worst <laughs> feedback that we've ever had. But I'll tell you what, in general, the emails are just not flowing across the oh, board. Oh, yeah, people, no, no. people that I used to hear from, for people who are listening to this, because this show is a time capsule, yes. people will be tuning into this program 10, 20, 30, 100 years from now. We are deep, deep within the so, COVID-19. Right. The coronavirus, uh, COVID-19, 2020, that's what's going on right now. We still have two weeks left of the quarantine. Yeah. Which I, I haven't heard anything about this. What are you guys talking about? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I just want to mention that's why things are weird. And I think that's why the emails failed to come in. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it, my work email, I only get like four, four to six a day instead of like 30 to wow. 80. <laughs> Okay, so the wow. ones that we will we will take extra care with the ones we have. Yes. This first email is from Jay. Jay writes, "Guys, awesome podcast. Has it occurred to you that Soji equals data and and Sutra equals lore?" Ooh. What? Oh, like if you put their parts together. They're effectively sisters like that. now that their own sisters are both dead. I predict oh. an ending tomorrow, a lot like Descent, where Soji comes to her senses and saves everyone from Sutra. Well, we, we know it happened right, we know a what little happened. differently than that. But <laughs> but right idea. <laughs> by the way, yeah, right idea for sure. By the way, why has no one ever mentioned Lore in this series or even in the Nemesis movie? Wasn't he merely dismantled at the end of Descent? Seems like he could be put back together. And maybe, just maybe, Starfleet shows up belatedly to help fight the Romulans. Maybe even led by Riker, who knows where Picard and company are going. Oh. So Jay nailed it. Also, can you guys put together a list of must-see antecedent episodes of past Star Trek series? I've been going through some of them to introduce Trek to my son. Certainly, these would have to include Measure of a Man, Best of Both Worlds, I, Hugh, Data's Day, The Offspring, Descent, and various Voyager episodes, and possibly also the Enterprise episodes with Brent Spiner as a Soong forebear oh, that yeah. Keith mentioned last time, Borderland, yeah. and the next two. Incidentally, the synth may betray this new Soong the way he the way the augments betrayed the other Soong. Can't wait to see how the season ends. Oh, I literally thought that was going to happen. He is spot on. Yeah, yeah he's, he's he really, really good. is. And uh, and that's part of what uh, Keith uh, had suggested and what we've been talking about doing for episodes following this one which is exploring because the show's called the Picard. It's not called Star Trek Picard. Right. It's right. This is all about the Picard. So we we have. A ton of Picard-focused historical episodes oh, yes. that, that uh, Joel was insisting we do last night, too, is saying, you've got to do the inner light, and you've got to do the one <laughs> where there are four lights. And, yes, and all. you so, have to do that. So we're going to, and he, he's like, Dad, he's like, I really want to be on the inner light one if you do it, because that episode affected me deeply and okay. i said i said okay we'll let so, him monologue right, pause, for a while. pause everything hold on that is like the most spiritually deep episode and yes. i can't believe that your young son that's the one that affected him yes, yes. the most because that's his favorite kid, episode he's a deep kid <laughs> when i was a kid i'm like this is the most boring episode where are all the pew pews at <laughs> uh, and now like, go, like going forward i'm like this is so incredibly important yeah but boy is that insightful for joel holy oh, he loves crap. it he loves it <laughs> so uh so thank you for that email jay one of two um, Jay sent. Oh, I thought Jay sent two. I was like, nice. No, no. Um, 
This email is from Sean. Sean says, here's a different prism to examine the first season of Star Trek Picard. Early on, Picard mentions that he really didn't like science fiction. Given that he's a character in a science fiction story, that's understandable and a bit of meta humor. But what is left unsaid is what kind of fiction does he enjoy? As we know from his time in hollow novels in Star Trek The Next Generation, he likes detective noir stories. And that's what this story is. A noir detective story set in the Star Trek universe. Ooh. Oh, I like that a lot. I like that too. Um, we have another email uh, that uh, from, uh, from Sean. Same Sean that uh, we just read? and No, a different Sean, but I think this... Well, maybe I'm wrong. I thought this Sean had written before. Maybe not. Um, they have an official bunny corn Easter pail. Hattie, oh, uh, I have sent this image to you. And, okay. And I will send it's it to coming. Keith also. So, I'm just, Keith, oh I'm sending God, this to you right hilarious. now so that you can see. Oh, you know what? I'll just send it. We have a little back channel that's happening right now. I'll send it to the back channel so you both can look at it. And... Uh, they they say thanks oh for the thanks for the sweet journey these past months. Looking forward to following you three wherever your plans lead. Stay well. Oh yeah, that was nice. Thank you, Sean. Yeah, and uh, and let's see if there's. I think. Um, okay, so here here's another email. Um, Phil writes so with lots <laughs> of O's. Hypothetical spoilers for next season. I know nothing, but I have been looking for a link between this season and the next season's Guinan. What if she and her race are actually the advanced synthetics? I know, I know it's far-fetched. I'm also still holding out for Q2. (laughs) Keep up the great work, live long and prosper, and don't forget to cover your cough, Phil from Las Vegas. Thanks, Um, Phil. uh, Phil, I appreciate the thought, but I'm going to shoot that down immediately. Yeah. Because she has a home planet, and it, you know, is, you know, it's known and it's charted. It was just assimilated by the Borg. And her people became refugees among the Federation. So yes, so um, that's already a thing. No, no, no to that. Unfortunately, I do not think we will see Q in this series. I think that they are going super uber realistic as they can. Yeah, and Q is just too much of a space wizard. Yeah, he he can do too much, and I think he he's it's almost like that. What do they call that, Dan? Like the Superman paradox, where it's like he he's too powerful to where it's like boring at that point. Yeah, yeah and I, yeah. you know what I mean. I love. I I'm so sorry that I've forgotten the name of the actor uh, who plays John Delancey. Him. John Delancey, thank you. He's he's wonderful. Yes. he's wonderful as Q. And I think that uh, everyone storyline is cool. Love to see more of him, but I I feel like that is just not part of this. You have to use Q very sparingly. Yeah, I feel like and I think they. I think one of the complaints in Star Trek: Next Generation was that they used him too much. Yeah, I can see that. Sure. So, uh, but I, I'm with you, and I would love to see him see him back. Um, yeah, I just don't think we will. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, Debbie writes. Uh, and and we we had thought this, you know, it's funny because a lot of the emails that we get are talking about the upcoming episode that we've now seen. Right. But I so feel like we need to mention it anyway. De- Debbie writes and says, it's lore. Soong is lore. <laughs> Only lore is that creepy. And I think we all kind of thought some of the yeah, same. Yeah, we all had the same urge to go, yeah. oh, maybe it's him. Um, nope. <laughs> Matt wrote, uh, as Picard is walking out of the Borg cube, saying to Seven that it is now up to you, it looks as if he's walking away into the light, possibly foreshadowing his demise. Ooh. Looks like that's yes, pretty he, much yep. what happened, right? Um, and, uh, and I think... Yeah, was there anything else from Twitter? That was the only... No, I don't... I, I, I refused to pull from yeah. Twitter. <laughs> um, 
What was the one last time that was on from Twitter and you said, oh, I read it and okay, I read good, it on good, the good. show. So we're good there. And, um, and then, uh, Dave, uh, gosh, you're going to have to stop me if I read this one already. Cause my, I'll tell you, you know, Dave writes, Hey guys, just popping in to say thanks and let you know that I genuinely look forward to the podcast as much as, or more than I look forward to Star Trek Picard. Doesn't sound familiar. I'm yet. sure that sounds weird, but it's true. I'm all over the map with the TV show, which I sometimes think is the brilliant, the next generation successor that I wanted and other times think it's kind of a disjointed mess, kind of like True Detective season two, now that I think of it. Hmm. Anyway, listening to the Picard straight up makes me like Star Trek Picard more than I otherwise would. Aww. You approach Aww. it as genuine and at times critical fans, and that's rad. What more could I ask from a podcast? Nothing. The answer is nothing. Thanks again and keep up the good work, Dave. And the reason why I sometimes feel like I've read them before is because you have, I read you them when they come them, in right. and now I'm not sure if I've read them on the show or not. But at sure. any case, that will be our last one for this season, this week and this season of this wonderful show. So, uh, Keith, you said you had a review. There's one review and it is from Eric. Eric said the name of this review is To Boldly Go. It is for five stars. Yay. Eric says... I wasn't planning on watching the show until all episodes were available so I could binge watch it. Once I heard that this podcast was happening, I immediately subscribed and fired up the CBS All Access <laughs> so that I could follow along for each week for the recaps. Insights and fun banter about the show from hosts I know really appreciate Trek much like me. Thank you for the great ride this season and hopefully more to come going forward. P.S. Make sure to read all three issues of Picard Countdown, the comic miniseries. It gives some great insight into the show as you start it up. Nice. Awesome. Hmm. What are so uh, Keith? What is our final tally as of today um, for reviews and and things? Oh, that's a good idea. I took you know? a screenshot. I have to pull that up. Talk amongst yourselves. Yeah. All this up. <laughs> well, I think, uh, like I said, there will be more. We will be doing more. Uh, we need to come not, up with that list of all the episodes. The end, and we do need to come up with that list. So, mm -hmm. if people have particular episodes that they would like to hear or us talk about, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it, it doesn't. Have, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, please continue. Uh, 44 ratings. Uh, we are at five stars out of five stars. Yes. Nice. Keep it Thank going. You, Thanks everyone. to everyone. And, and just because the season's ending doesn't mean that you can't still rate the show oh, yeah. and review the show and it'll help people find it in the meantime as they discover the show. Not everyone watched like we do. A lot of people are waiting to binge watch it mm -hmm. or just now that CBS Access is free for a little while right. uh, during this corona time, people maybe will find the show. And then find this. So, yeah, and we're going to keep going. So uh, send your feedback, Picard at 5x5.tv or just visit uh, picard.fireside.fm and click contact and send us your thoughts, what you'd like us to talk about. If you have theories, if you have other things, we can still hear them. We'd love to hear predictions of what you think next season will be about because yes, I don't even think the writers so. know right yeah. now either. I'm excited. Me too. So, yeah. Keith, that's Without your cue. further ado. Begin. The amazing recap. Thank you. All right. I'm going to start off by saying uh, I loved this. I thought they put everything with a bow on it. I've also read two or three articles online where they, uh, people are complaining that this uh, finale is just fan service. And I'm like, good, because I'm a fan and I would like <laughs> to be serviced. I want everything that happened here. Like, good, put put a bow on it because it's the end of the series. I have two issues with this episode that, yes, are kind of nitpicky, but we're going to, we'll deal with them as we come. 
Here's how we start. We open on Narek running towards the crashed cube. He is being a sneaky sneak and slowly moving inside some towards some goal while he works his way down corridors and behind XBs. Uh, inside the cube, Elnor is talking to Seven, and he asks if the XBs would just be better off dead because everybody hates them and they don't have a home. <laughs> it's Which, like, oh, Elnor. <laughs> yeah, at first I'm like, what? And then I remember absolute candor. Right. Like mm. He just says whatever like thought is in his head. Exactly. He has no filter. Uh, she says that she's the same and asks, you know, why doesn't she just put a phaser to her head and just end it all? Eleanor says because he would miss her too much. Aww. We do see a Romulan drone has been eavesdropping on them the whole time and then flies away. Ner- Interesting. Now, what I wanted to ask you is huh. those are those are for sure Romulan little fix-it drones, They're, right? Right. They are They're Romulan not drones. Uh, yeah, and it is confirmed in this series that they okay. are Romulan drones. And uh, I will point out why later. Thank okay, you. thank you. <clears throat> Narek uh, is being a sneak, and good old Rizzo sneaks up behind him. I don't think we ever found out her real name, did we? We did in this episode. Did we? Further along, yes, Mm -hmm. and I wrote it down. Oh, I miss it? Oh, I'm so excited. Yep. Yes! Yay! It's a good one. Uh, Good old Rizzo sneaks up behind him and puts a knife to his throat, uh, but they quickly embrace, uh, and they bring a little levity to the episode. Because uh, he's like, hey, I found the synth nest. And she's like, have you effed any yet? <laughs> uh, but not using the word effed, which I thought because we have not used the F word as to mean uh, sex yet in this universe. And mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, and he says that he has not yet effed any of them. <laughs> and she, he, she says, has he killed any? He said one. She goes, well, that's an improvement. And we all laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Rizzo invites Narek to see her hiding place, which may or may not be an entendre. <clears throat> at, the colony, <laughs> at the colony, Picard is under house arrest in Bruce Maddox's quarters. Uh, he plays; he is playing with a synthetic butterfly that lands on his finger, and then he releases it out into the wild and remarks, "Lucky you," mm-hmm. which I thought was pretty sweet moment. Soji comes to visit him by using an optical scanner on the room, so he's locked in, and you have to have some sort of eye scan to get in. And Gerardi is watching from the background. So Everyone's creeping around. In Everyone this was creeping around. <laughs> Sneaky sneak. That's what this episode's called. Sneaky sneak. Uh, Picard and Soji have it out uh, in one of their little debates, and he says that uh, because she feels uh, boxed in a corner, that she must lack imagination. Like there is a way to fix almost everything. I loved that line. I thought that was me so great. Too. It kind of reminds me of uh, in Star Wars how like no matter what the situation is, Jedi's just like run into it. He's like, we'll figure it out. There's right. always a way to get out of everything. Wing it. You know, until they all <laughs> die. Uh, yeah, he uh, he is begging her. Uh, he implores her to stop building the beacon um, and don't do that. Uh, uh, but it is already started because she's outside and we have a cut to Gerardi watching the beacon being built. Um, uh, I want to point out that one of my one of my one of my few issues with this episode is that a lot of the visual effects uh, are derivative. Like when this beacon's being built, it looks almost exactly like nanotech from Avengers. Oh, you know what? I, I agree. You're right. You're right. Totally right. You know, it's just it. I think there was a better way to do that. Uh, because to me, I'm just like, oh, Tony Stark's building a beacon <laughs> on this planet. Uh, and the credits roll. Right. <clears throat> they, they hired him and, you know, he's getting the job done. You know, right. one of the one of the interesting things to me, uh, just a, about 
this in general was, and I don't want to jump too far ahead, but no good. You know, for for a beacon, uh, this was more, and Joel pointed this out yeah. too. It was more like a full on portal being opened yeah, up. Yeah, it was huge. Yeah, a beacon to me is like, oh, we sent a little beam of me- a message out into the into the outer this space. This is like crack space open. Yeah, and you're like, and, oh, <laughs> and in that way, it also reminded me a bit of Avengers when mm-hmm. the um, oh yeah, when they opened the the portal and allowed all of the uh, the things to come through. Uh, yeah, the giant. What are they? The frost giant. Chitauri. Uh, yes. Yeah, those. Uh, you just hit the nail on the head of my other problem again, jumping ahead. But that portal, if you go back and watch Avengers, if it was blue, it would look yeah. exactly, exactly the same. The same. Yeah. Maybe it's they're in the like, same continuity. Maybe it's the same right? universe. Right. Uh, my roommate pointed out that like maybe it was just ILM did the effects and they use the exact same people. <laughs> right, that's true. Yeah, and people okay. have a style. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, but it. it all the visual effects seemed really derivative, and that was one of my big issues. The other one is, Dan, you're right. It's not a beacon. It's a portal projector. Right, right. Okay. Ahead of ourselves. On the cube, Narek and I will Rizzo say, are- I will say, Keith, hmm. I don't think that they knew it was going to be that a portal. I think they thought they, they were, were sending, sending a message. A, right. And re- oh, and, 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 I like and, that. And, and, and so, and it, in reality, the, the AI was more like, yeah. Send us a message, wink, wink, <laughs> wink, wink. Yeah. We're coming to see you today. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We're, we'll be oh, there in an hour, cool. yeah. you know, <laughs> ASAP. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, it's just like the movie Contact. Uh, on the cube, <laughs> Narek and Rizzo are going over their plan. Narek is planning to use grenades for the flowers, the giant orchids that stop ships, and he wants Rizzo to stay behind and get the weapon systems of the cube online. Rizzo wants to accompany him, but he says that he's going to go alone. She points out that, hey, our parents died for this as well as many others, and he says that he has to do this alone because he's the screw up. Screw up. He's the washout. You know, everyone thought he was, you know, downtrodden, but he's the one that found Seb Cheneb. He found the destroyer. And Rizzo finally is just like, fine, I have work to do. You go. They share a final lover's gaze before he leaves <laughs> and Elnor follows him. And, and this is, by the way, out, Keith, this again. is the way that you and I say goodbye every time that you yes. it is. We I do give a loving gaze. I'm, wit- I'm witness to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, this is the same scene where we learn Rizzo's name. Which what is, is it? Nerissa. That's right. Yeah. I didn't even catch it. Was, it. it was he, subtle. Yep, and I've, I he heard said it too. Like something like, oh, oh, I have to do this Nerissa or something like that. And I was like, oh, yeah. we got I was like, who's that? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I mean, I, Rizzo always makes me think of Rizzo the rat from the Muppets. <laughs> sure. And uh, and I had a friend in. She is a rat. Uh, in middle school <laughs> yeah. who had a D&D character that he named Rizzo. So for me, Rizzo, I like Nerissa much better. Why keep that a secret? Because you got Narek and Nerissa makes sense. They're going with the theme. What was? Oh yeah, and I was. Didn't they have? We haven't. We never learned her secret name. That is her secret name. Well, no. Remember, Narek has his even more secret. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, But okay, continue, Keith. Uh, I want to point out that until this moment, I thought all Jatvash were women. Oh yeah. he, He says he's a Jatvash washout. Which to hmm. me, maybe because implies... they found out he wasn't a woman, <laughs> right? Sure, like uh, he was in there, and they're like, "Come on!" Yeah, and he's like, and they're like, Wait "Also, a I'm a dude," and he's like, "You're washing out right now." <laughs> but I just assumed he was the counterpoint to Elnor because the Quat Malat mm. were all women, so he couldn't really be one. But I think the implication is that men can be Jatvash; they're probably just not very good at it, right? 
Back on The Last Serena, Rios and Rafi are discussing using the alien tool to fix the ship. <laughs> I love that R- scene. <laughs> Rios says he is scared of it, like it will eat his soul, and Rafi <laughs> reminds him that he doesn't have one because people in this universe don't have souls. Rafi said that she'll use it, but Rios says that every tool to Rafi is a hammer, which I thought was pretty cool yeah uh, a little aside that like that's just kind of where our mentality is so rafi coaches him and using his imagination he he he's basically on his back he opens up a piece of the ship you can see where there's some things have been fused or cut and he holds the alien tool and it starts fixing the ship the exact way that he wants it to be fixed so the cool. ship comes to life uh rafi asks rios to say those three beautiful words you were right <laughs> Uh, they hear something, a noise, and Rio says that he knows that sound. <clears throat> Back at the colony, Sung and Gerardi are discussing uploading the uh, brain patterns to the golem. He tells her that the computer in the corner has all the files she needs uh, and says that she is making a remarkable sacrifice, but that's just what mothers do. Because I think that he knows that when the, the other Federation comes down, all the organic beings are going to be killed on the planet. Right. right. As soon, as soon as he leaves, Gerardi has like a little meltdown, like shaking, uh-huh. and she's psyching herself up, and she's like, I am not their mother, a-hole, but mm-hmm. she says the actual word, and I like when she curses. <laughs> Gerardi has become a badass. Uh, back at the, sh- uh, at the ship, Rio says, someone's throwing rocks at my ship. Uh, and a-, a little aside, he says that he knows that sound. Right. So what does that mean? How many people have thrown rocks at his ship? <laughs> I don't know. That he knows that. And I hope that does come back in the next season. Like, it's just something that, a weird thing. Right, it's so a little aside. I, I just want to throw in and say, I'm all for a spinoff show, Rios Space Pirate or Re- something Rios like that. Rios going God, through space. You know, I would be so badass. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, by the way, the rumor coming out from CBS is that there's going to be a Seven of Nine spinoff, but we'll talk about that. <gasps> oh, no. Well, now I have to watch. What's it? Yeah, all Voyager. Yeah. Uh, y- yes, you do. And we'll talk about it because okay. Voyager is great. <laughs> and then we can start the podcast, The Seven of Nine. <laughs> the Seven uh, of Nine. <laughs> uh, or just The Seven. The Seven. The se- oh, I like that. The Seven. Uh, back on the ship, there was a, uh, the, the person throwing the, sh- the rocks at the ship is Narek. So he did not go back to the colony to blow up the orchids. Now he is back. At, he is throwing rocks at the lost Serena. Uh, Rafi refers to him as, hey, it's the abusive Romulan boyfriend, uh, which I really <laughs> liked. They open a channel to him in his little earpiece and Rios threatens like, hey, I like that you're throwing rocks. How about I throw a photon torpedo at you? Uh, and Eric points out that, hey, I have molecular solvent grenades, but I'm throwing rocks instead. Right. Like, uh, I'm, I'm not doing anything that bad. Calm down. Right. <laughs> Uh, and then Narek says that he's there to save the universe and that they should all work together. Uh, this is a quick cut to the three of them inside the ship. They're sitting at some kind of conference table that we haven't seen before with rolly chairs. They are not at the picnic <laughs> table. And I think that's because uh, the showrunners or designers or directors are like the picnic table is for family. Oh, like, they needed to separate a, yeah, a an outsider a visiting. Energy. Mm. Yeah, so they're like literally like a like a regular conference table with four chairs. Uh, Rafi is trying to get in touch with Picard. Uh, you know, like tapping her badge. She's like, "Hey, JL, JL, come in." Uh, later, she uh, she hits it and goes, "Admiral Picard, retire, please come in." Because she's <laughs> like, know. maybe he just wants to, a little respect. <laughs> Narek fills them in uh, with everything that he knows about the transmitter of the situation. He refers to the synthetics destroying the universe as Gan Madan or Gan Madan. Yeah. 
I don't know how to pronounce it. It's a Gamadan. He says that the synthetics are going to make sure that uh, they aren't interfered with, uh, which makes Rios and Rafi both chuckle because they know that if there is something to be interfered with, Picard will interfere with Mm -hmm. it. Yes. Upon trying to contact JL again, Eric repeats that they do not want to be interfered with, that the comms are jammed, they can't transport in or out. Like, they're basically having as close to a religious ceremony as they can right now. Eleanor appears out of nowhere, says something in Romulan, uh, and puts a, a sword to uh, uh, Narek's throat. <clears throat> uh, Rios tells him to, says, hey, uh, hey, calm down. Uh, we have to hear what he has to say. Uh, Narek also says, I do choose to live. So the thing that he said in Romulan right. was his catchphrase, uh, uh-huh. which I thought was pretty good. That makes sense. Hey, it's Romulans. Why would they be speaking English to each right. other? Yeah. Um. Uh, Rio said, uh, yeah, Rios tells Elnor that he should hear what he has to say. Inside the colony, Sung is working on Saga, the synth that had been killed by the brooch going through her eye, uh, by Narek. Jurati comes in and asks what he's doing. He replies that he is downloading all of Saga's memories into a V module as a memento for Arcana. This sets up a couple things. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, we know that we can download synthetic memories. Uh, into some sort of computer, which is important for later. Uh, and uh, that even if you are a ge- genetic or like organic synth, your memories are still accessible. Uh, he asks why she's there, if she needs something. He says that uh, she's working on the neural lace for the golem, but uh, has some files that are encrypted. Uh, she remarks that Bruce had referred to his skills as crypto Kung Fu <laughs> and that he was the best. And he is obviously flattered. And she, she knew how to flatter him because, you know, they're both like scientist dorks. Right. Um, <laughs> he's flattered. He goes to open the files while Jurati stays behind to watch saga or like something about the transfer. Uh, but instead she walks up to saga and squelches something out of her. And the sound is absolutely disgusting. Yeah, they did, but they did not show they it. They didn't show it, I know. Right. I wish they kind of would have. <laughs> I think we've seen enough of that. those things yeah. being removed from people. Uh, <laughs> right outside um, the ship, it's nighttime and there's a campfire going on. And Eleanor, Raffi, Rios, and Narek are all sitting around it like buddies. Eleanor says that he does not trust nor like Narek. Narek asks Eleanor how he feels about Ganmadan. <laughs> Rafi, Rafi asks for clarification like okay what is this uh, Narek says it's the end of days that Rios likens to Ragnarok or Judgment Day Narek corrects him and says that it's not a myth this is history um, that this is from way before the ancestors first arrived on Vulcan Narek tells him the story of Romulan Judgment Day uh, two demon sisters opening a doorway to even worse demons one sister is called Seb Natan the foreteller and who plays a drum made with the skin of children <laughs> cool i mean that was was like like, a nice little detail that i thought they just threw in there Mm -hmm. for no reason the other seb is seb chaneb the destroyer rafi's like hey i know about that and then a little butthurt narrow goes oh you know about gamadad do you know about all this and then it's like two straight minutes of just horrors that he's saying like oh the streets will run red with blood it'll be a thousand years of pain for everyone uh, and he says that history always repeats itself. So the the crux of this weird scene is they're sitting around a fireplace uh, and Narek is convinced that they are going to bring up at the end of days and that this is just a cycle that is constantly repeating itself. So there's that. Because history always repeats itself. <laughs> I guess. Uh, 
I mean, yeah, we have, first we had the Black Plague and now we have COVID-19. Right. Same, same. Uh, we see the Romulan fleet approaching with Commodore O on her bridge. And she says, at last, our great work is nearly at an end. And that was that entire cutout scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Inside the last surrender the next morning, Narek, Elnor, Rafi, and Rios are discussing the new plan. Narek explains that the molecular solvent grenades that were originally going to blow up the flowers are now going to be used to blow up the beacon. Rafi asks how they're going to get inside the colony. Cut to Narek being escorted like a prisoner into the colony by the other three. The plan is being discussed and unfolding in real time, so it's kind of cutting back and forth mm-hmm. like Ocean's Eleven. They need to, a way to sneak the grenades in because they know they're going to be asked to check their guns and their bags and such. And they discuss... Uh, so as, as they walk up to the two synths that are kind of guarding the entrance to the colony... Uh, uh, they give them their guns and everything, but they have snuck the grenades inside a soccer ball. Very, very um, Rios. I mean, it, <laughs> it would make sense that he would have soccer balls just yeah. in in the ship. You know, I can see him being with those people that like stands there and like is like doing the thing where you kind of keep it bouncing on your foot and you switch it to the other yeah. foot and like don't I, let I, it touch I had the, the ground. Same thing in my mind when I was yeah, thinking of it that's too. Very, that's just like yeah. he's, he does that. He's, he's yeah. killing time, you know. He's, oh yeah, yeah, he was doing that when Gerardi came up and kissed him, right? Well, that and then, but uh, so as he walks up to the synthetics. Now, I will say this soccer ball doesn't look like his other ones. This is a specially replicated one, yeah. it's like silver and black, because it's also a drone delivery system for the grenades. But they basically ask for their bags, so he pulls the ball out of the bag and just starts balancing it on one foot mm-hmm. and just playing as the thing. And then I thought one of the most amazing details is one of the uh, synthetics says, "You play." Yeah, I just thought that was sweet. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I enjoy the game. But it's like, he's not like a mindless drone, the synthetic. He's like, he's got his own personality. Yeah. Right. Like, he probably oh, likes he soccer. Play? I love <laughs> soccer. I, I know how to play every sport ever because I'm a synthetic exactly. person. Uh, so that's that's the soccer ball. So now he's literally just walking around the colony holding a soccer ball like a child, which I think <laughs> is pretty cool. Uh, cut to inside the colony building. Agnes is using Saga's eyeball, which she previously removed to open the quarters that Picard is currently being held in. Very so smart of her. Wish noise was her pulling out someone's eyeball. Now I have no idea how much strength and pressure it takes to pull out an eyeball from someone from a synth. Also, yeah. And, like, I don't even know how you would grip one. So I started touching my own eyeball during this point. I don't know how she got this thing out, but she got it out. Uh, it looks absolutely disgusting. Whoever is in the prop department did a great job. Yeah. Uh, you know what? It's also kind of a callback to, uh, I forget which episode opened up with the lady taking out Icheb's uh, yeah. ocular thing. I was like, oh, oh sure. kind of the same thing. Yes, but yes. one was for good, one was for evil, you know? Very nice sure. parallel there. Nice. Uh, Picard is napping inside the quarters. Uh, Gerardi races up to him to see if he's still alive, and he sarcastically says, yes, I'm still here. He asks Gerardi (laughs) what this is, saying, like, why are you here? I I thought you, like, switched sides. And she's like, I'm busting you out. Right. She She was so proud of herself. (laughs) She also says that she thought she was the uh, world's worst secret agent ever, but now she thinks she may have a gift. (laughs) Gerardi uh, ad- is so adorable. In this a nice, nice I like redemption her now, yes. for her. Yeah. I thought. A hundred percent. And I think that everything that was going on with her was just because of the mind meld. And now that it's wearing off, we're seeing more of her actual personality. Yep, I agree. She pe- tells Picard that they have to get back to the La Serena while the synths are distracted. Sung is finishing the gu- Gullum, uh, which means Gerardi actually helped 
which I thought was pretty cool. So, mm-hmm. like, while she was doing all this sneaking around and, like, trying to get Saka's eyeball, she actually did finish a way for Sung to upload his brain into the golem. The computer states that it's ready for neural engrams, like, all the red lights turn green, and just then, a monitor is beeping, the one that has been placed uh, above Saga's head that has been playing her memories, and it shows the moment of her death, and that it was not Narek that killed her, but Sutra. Big turn of events. Like, we knew that uh, Sutra had helped Narek escape. And, like, urged him to do bad things. (laughs) Sure, but didn't know that it was actually her that brandished the uh the brooch uh his reaction by the way when he sees it and then he gasps and looks straight down is pure unadulterated spiner Mm -hmm. Uh. Mm -hmm. like when you we were talking about descent earlier yeah like when he starts feeling negative emotions that laura is like putting into his brain using his weird fingernail button (laughs) uh that is the exact same expression like interesting Uh, Outside, uh, the plan to bomb the beacon is moving forward, and the beacon continues to... I say, the beacon is continuing to Tony Stark itself. It's very true. (laughs) It's just growing, growing, growing. The saboteurs are outside asking, how are they going to get to the beacon without being seen by the synths? And Sung appears right behind them and says flatly, an excellent question, and then he smirks. Ooh. Back on the ship, Drati and Picard are walking onto the bridge. Drati mentions that everybody is missing. Picard, and now this, uh, another little detail that blew my mind and I had to pause and rewatch it a couple times. Uh, Picard dismisses what Drati says and he's standing on the bridge and says, status on the Romulans. And like, as if there was a crew there and Drati just kind of looks at him inquisitively, uh, uh, inquisitively looks at him. And then Picard looks at him and goes, come on, doctor. Uh, as if to say, get on the computer and tell me the status of the Romulans. Right. And I thought that was, it's like not forefront. It's a thrown away line, but he's in command mode because that's what he does. Right. And like whether he's got a crew of one person who doesn't even know what they're doing or he has an entire starship at command. He's like, this is the tool I need to make a decision. He says status on the Romulans and is almost annoyed that he doesn't, that Gerardi doesn't know. <laughs> right. To and just jump into action. Right. <laughs> Uh, so I thought that was great. She gets onto a computer and says the Romulans are seven minutes away and that there is no sign of the Starfleet, uh, uh, small fleet of ships, uh, that was supposed to be at DS 12. Picard is searching for a way to stop the fleet of Romulans. He remarks that the, uh, only teachers these young synthetics have ever had are a couple hermits and fear of extinction, but that fear is an incompetent teacher. That to be alive is a responsibility as well as a right. Gerardi asks how he's going to give them that lesson in six minutes and 11 seconds. And he says <laughs> the same way all young children learn by example. Right. He sits in the captain's chair to the theme of Star Trek The Next Generation playing in the background and questions how closely he was watching Rios. I liked that uh, line. I don't know why. <laughs> Uh, I saw a lot of people online mad about the part where he sat and he didn't know how to fly the ship. Uh, if you remember from the yeah. past episode. Yeah, where he's uh, he's like, I don't know how to work this. Right. Because they're like, well, he was a pilot on the Stargazer and he could fly the Enterprise and fly shuttles. I think it was just because it's a different, maybe even custom interface that Rios made. So the whole time that he's been sitting in that little chair that's to the left and back of Rios. He's been watching. He's been watching and learning. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. I mean, Smart. and, and you know, the, the analogy that I would make, and we know analogies mm-hmm. are, are never useful, really. But. Sure. 
you know, if you're a Mac person, you've been using a Mac. I don't care if you've been using a Mac for 20 years. If someone puts you down in front of a Linux machine right, running like, X oh, Windows, you're like, give me a minute. Um, <laughs> What how do I, I get, do? How, how do I, I work menu, this? Right. <laughs> like you can, you a lot of the knowledge that Picard had, I think, would have translated over. But when was the last time that we actually saw him, like even piloting a, a, a shuttlecraft? Mm-hmm. You know, he was a good sure. shuttlecraft pilot for a while, but that was a long time ago. We're talking twenty, thirty years. Imagine right. if if I Keith, if yeah. I took you away from computers for twenty years oh, and please. put you down in front of one. And said, right. eh, figure it out, use it. You'd be like, okay, give me a little time. Right, I need a little lesson. I need to watch you move around on it. And then, and, you're, and, yeah. and he's also 94 years old. Right. So give sure. him a freaking break, people. <laughs> yeah, people were pissed on that. Uh, I, I will also point out, uh, to your point, Dan, that when I was a Windows user, I'm now since been converted to a Mac user. When I was a Windows user, uh, when they did that update where they took away the start button, Mm. Yeah. Do you remember? Yes, I and do. And I had to put it back. I could not use my computer. I was <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know how to do things. I don't know what button to hit. So just as simple as an update can screw right, you cons- up. Yeah. Let alone twenty or thirty years. Uh, after getting the engines fired up, he exclaims, "All right!" Because he's like, he figured it out. He knows what he's doing. Gerardi turns around and says, "Make it so." I love and that. They fly into <laughs> orbit. Yeah, it was really cute. Uh, back on the ba- uh, back at the base of the beacon, because uh, for those of you that are not watching the show and just listening to us, the beacon is gigantic. It's basically like a huge Eiffel Tower that's being built by Nanotech that's building itself. Uh, Sutra continues to give a fascist speech to all of <laughs> all of the other synthetics because they're all, except for the guards, are gathered around the base of this giant tower now, and she is constantly, I guess, reassuring them: this is what we should be doing. We're going to, you know, rise above. We're not going to be hunted anymore. Sung is escorting, uh, not Rios and Narek, but Rafi and... Uh, Elnor? Elnor, thank you. Wait. Yeah, yeah I think, yeah, sense. it was Elnor, yeah. Mm. Okay. Um, down to the gathering. He continues walking, uh, he continues walking to the base of the beacon, telling a couple of his children to watch them referring to the, to the organics. Uh, he pulls Sutra aside and retur- uh, returns the instrument of Saga's death, that pointy brooch. So there are, uh, so Sung has pulled Saga, um, Sutra aside and said, Hey, you should have this back. Uh, he says that her actions were correct, that this was the emotional jolt that our fellow, fellow synthetics would need, um, uh, to get on board with calling down this other like synthetic federation, and that uh, she's learned a whole lot and he's actually kind of proud of her. But he also says that reason isn't anything. Uh, and he's like, how could you help that Romulan kill your sister? It's revealed that he's holding a small device about the size and shape of a pen, activates it in her direction, and she shuts down. I was like, why don't we all have a set of those? Yeah, I mean, I, and, and, and it seemed... Like it was a real hard yeah. shutdown. A hard reset. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because it wasn't even mentioned again. I mean, she's just gone. Zap and then, yeah. And I was almost yeah. wondering if it was like a, like a, like a, a power like, like off switch. Her, yeah. yeah. Like if, if she was like gone, gone, or right. if she's just turned knocked off, out. knocked out or something. And uh, so I was very curious about. That was that. my one question that I had was what happened to Gold Soji? Yeah. <laughs> I'm so my 
gut feeling is that she's dead and here's why because all songs are a little crazy and have god complexes Mm -hmm. yeah i have a note here that says of course he has a fail safe if if because like yes they're quote-unquote his children but really they're his creations and if he thinks for a moment you know even a one percent chance of his creations rising against him or doing things that he doesn't want them to do he probably has a way to shut them the hell down. Yeah. I have a feeling that because she's not an android, she is like an organic being, that this button he has does kill her. Yeah, I can see that. And because I we c- didn't see her again, I yeah. feel like they would have shown her in a prison or something later, you know, something like that. Uh, I also think that he he is very genuine when he's like, you logically have done the correct course of action. Like, if you were, if your plan was to... Mm-hmm get everyone behind you this was correct this was this was well done but you should not have killed your sister and i have to spank you because of it you know that's kind of it's almost goes along the same lines as i mentioned uh i think last week when Drati and Soong were talking and he was like you know you you took out a bright light but you know what do you want to go ahead and like help me do this thing like death is very light to him I don't know I just I, I sense that hmm. no you're and you're right and it's because he's a little crazy yeah. as most songs are yeah and yeah for someone who wants to put his mind inside a golem and become immortal like yeah death would not have a lot of mm-hmm. uh, weight or to it would not factor in yeah totally. right uh he points out that I guess you really are no better than us, meaning mm. that you know the the uh, evolution of the of the synthetics means they're just as violent as human beings or any other organic being. Could that be because organic beings created them? Da-da-da. Maybe mm. we become. You know, we create who we become. Right. Uh, he nods to Rafi, who whistles very loudly, and Rio and Narek jump out and start beating up synthetics, which I think is pretty. Uh, ballsy for people that are much 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 stronger than you and Narek was flipping around <laughs> yeah he was almost elnorish yeah well yeah and i mean quite that as w- quick but. that would make sense if he was if Jot he was javash and if he's um tal shiar anyway that they have to have some kind of really Good advanced fighting. combat skills built in this is all a distraction as Rios pulls out his soccer ball and wants to throw it at the base of the beacon. But Soji's standing there and he is very hesitant to kill her, Aww. which I think is pretty again, like everything about Rios is like his outward, you know, shine is that he's like, I'm a space pirate and uh, I don't care about anything. But he is such a sweetheart. Deep he's down. a softy. <laughs> he really is. Uh, in space, Picard is flying the La Serena very poorly. <laughs> It's kind of just flopping around like a fish. Gerardi asks him how they're going to hold off the Romulans, but he is very agitated because she keeps asking him questions. And he's like, hey, I'd really like to fly without blowing us up. So if you don't mind, (laughs) let me do this. And she and she repeats the mantra that the crew had said earlier, one impossible thing at a time. Right. (laughs) Back at the base of the beacon, the synthetics easily subdue Narek, and Rios is just about out of time as he realize as uh, because they're coming towards him. So he releases the ball; it opens up and is floating because it is some sort of drone delivery sy- uh, system. The grenade shoots out and flies towards Soji at the base of the beacon, but she catches it super quick because now, was, she is was, synthetic. Were they hoping for it to blow up that device? Were they thinking it would kill Soji as well? I mean, what? I was not very clear on what their was, goal... Yeah. I mean, obviously their goal was not to have her catch it and chuck it up no. into the sky. They wanted to blow up the console that she was working on. But not okay. her. 
but not her. And that's why he kept saying, get out of there. Mia, right. Get out right. Of there. Right. But he's like, I'm out of time. Like, I guess at this point, I just have to kill her. Right. So she catches it pretty easily, throws it straight up into the air because she realizes it's counting down and then it explodes in the air and a pretty big explosion that I feel would have killed maybe all his friends had yeah. it gone off. <sighs> Uh, on the board cube, Rizzo, or as you pointed out, Narissa, finally gets the weapon systems online. And as she is about to destroy the La Serena in orbit, she is stopped by Seven of Nine with a phaser. Rios, uh, she, you know, uh, not Rios, uh, Rizzo uh, says that Seven of Nine, while she's being held hostage with her hands up and a gun's being pointed at her, says, you know, you're rather pretty, or rather you would be, if you weren't a disgusting half-meat. <laughs> And and it's I, like, oh, thanks. Thanks. It took me a second to to get the gravity of that. And I'm like, yeah, because half of Seven of Nine is uh, cybernetic and half of her is human because she was she's an XB herself. And I'm like, a disgusting half me is such a, like a Harry Potter style. Yes, it's very, <laughs> very mud blood. <laughs> yeah. uh, insult. And I thought that was pretty cool. And that got stuck in my head. So disgusting half me. I'm a fan of this term. Yeah. Uh, they get into a very quick fist fight after uh, Seven disarms Rizzo with all her little knives and such. Uh, and all I can think about is, like, Seven and Nine is, like, very strong. She is an augment. She has a, uh, a, a depth of perception that most humans don't have, mm-hmm. a, almost super strength, that Rizzo is pretty ballsy to fight her. Yeah. Right, and Rizzo's holding her own in that but fight. But I think, I think Rizzo, is. with all of her training, we've seen her flipping and kicking and, and fighting against fighting with, um, Elnor, um, Elnor mm-hmm. before and it, really giving him a run for the money. And he's like a trained right. yeah. fighting dude. So she's she's qualified. But if I remember right, what you were telling us about Seven of Nine was that she is um, augmented stronger at the very least, right. if, if not anything else. Uh, yeah. I screamed out, hot girl fight. <laughs> yeah, hot girl fight. There is an episode. And I just, I mean, I'm going to, my my Rizzo obsession has not <laughs> abated. It, it abated in any way and in fact has grown through this episode. She looked, she looked extra good she in this did episode. Look extra I don't know good. why. I don't know if it's the way she had her hair or if we, we saw her without, you know, she had on more of like a casual shirt. I don't know. I don't know. I just thought, I thought she was great. I thought I was very sad to see her go. What do you mean? <laughs> well, she's. You don't we'll think see. she's gone? Uh, no, I don't. I thought maybe she beamed herself away with her little That's device. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Every time she's been in trouble, we've seen her beam away at the last second. And I if just... there's a fleet of Romulans up there or whatever, um, then I think she's gonna be fine. I hope I so. And I think in if if we get to see her in season two, like a like a reveal in maybe right. like the second or third episode, that she's still there. Ah. Oh creeping around come back to me rizzo <laughs> uh she is quicker than seven i'll say that she's yeah. very yeah. fast but, so there's an episode of voyager and when you guys get into voyager you have to watch it where seven of nine is stuck inside like a almost the, like gladiator like she's like there's like this alien or like thor ragnarok uh you know uh-huh. these aliens that are forced to fight each other or they die and she gets kind of picked in and she has to fight the the meanest strongest ones because Mm -hmm. she's a borg and she's so powerful Mm. and we see it like really hardcore hand-to-hand combat with her so she's you know good at what she does also i don't understand why rizzo is on the borg cube i thought she beamed away 
I think well, she, she just was, beamed to her hiding spot. Yeah, but she went to her hiding spot with Narek, and then Narek left, and she just stayed on the cube. No, I, Keith means before that. Like, oh, why oh, was oh, she oh. still like when on... the XBs yeah, were zombieing her and, like, clawing at her, she beamed away. I had just assumed that she beamed to the Romulan fleet I think she beamed to her, to her I think you're right, Dan. Nest. I think she went to her little hiding spot. She yeah. must have. I think you're right. Uh, cut to the La Serena. Gerardi says that there are some incoming warp signatures, and Picard ruefully asks they don't happen to be Starfleet, do they? There's almost like a trepidation in his voice, like maybe it is Starfleet, but it wasn't. All 218 Romulan warboards come come out of warp, and Commodore O says, "Sterilize the entire planet," despite the synthetics being only in a small colony. Which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, she's like just waylays in the colony, a base of the at the base of the beacon. You can see the Romulan fleet in the sky in orbit. All of the orchids are launched towards them. And an amazing space battle happens between giant flowers and Romulan warbirds. <clears throat> the flowers also have an offensive capability we hadn't seen before with these little tendrils popping out and just slapping ships around, which was neat. Uh, cut to the board cube. Rizzo and Seven are still wailing on each other. Rizzo is very bullying with her little infantile comments. Mm-hmm. I, I noted, like, poor little Annika. The only thing she got for her sixth birthday was assimilated. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like dude, chill out. Right, like, uh, maybe focus on fighting. <laughs> right. And then she says, or she asks Seven, why didn't you just put a phaser to your head and end it? And that's how we know the drone was Romulan, because it was her listening she heard. to She was Eldor creeping around. Conversation earlier. Yeah, she was just using it to spy on the situation. Seven says, because she had this to live for, and then kicks her over the edge of the board cube, saying, also saying, this is also for Hugh. Yeah. And then we see, we see Rizzo fall to, theoretically, a, a death, and I have a note here that says, I do not think she's dead. I think she used her little transporter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. Seven deactivates the Borg weapons. Uh, I also have a note that says, maybe she could have used them on the Romulans, or maybe she was afraid of retaliation towards the XBs. Hmm. Like, why wouldn't she just, like, if the Borg cube's sitting there and the weapon systems are active, she could have she, Yeah, she could have helped, helped a little bit. <laughs> but maybe she's like, my job is not to help Picard right now. My job is to protect the XBs on this ship. Right, right. Um, by the way, I think that the XBs that are on that planet are just going to live with the synthetics that are still alive. Oh, yeah, that would be nice. And I can't. Because they can't go anywhere. They can't go anywhere, but can't they help each other out? Because the Borg, I mean, I'm not sure what the synthetics, I mean, I'm sorry, what the XBs n- know, but they're really good at like technology interfacing with with people oh, and yeah. stuff like that so yeah the xps all have the wealth of knowledge of the board collective so they're probably on par technology wise with the synthetics and i think that they could have a nice little colony together yeah, yeah. Uh, back at the space battle the flowers are being annihilated by romulan disruptors on the ship gerardi says that uh if he if picard finds a way to get out of the situation they will probably call it the picard maneuver she then remembers <laughs> wait that's an actual That's a thing. thing. <laughs> I guess she was doing her research on Jean-Luc Picard. She now, I, think- I, I will hmm. say that hmm. what we know in fandom as the Picard maneuver is the pulling down of the shirt. Yeah, for sure. Yes. <laughs> so as soon as we saw that, Joel stood up and said, I will do the Picard maneuver right now. And he pulled his shirt down. Uh-huh. That's adorable. Uh, so I, 
I, I know that there is another Picard maneuver, but there is. this is the one that I, is my favorite. <laughs> uh, she mistakenly thinks that this happened aboard the Enterprise, and he corrects her and says he pulled the Picard maneuver when he was captain of the Stargazer. Okay, do you guys know what the Picard maneuver actually is? Please inform I forget. Me. Okay, so the Picard maneuver is the Stargazer, which was Picard's ship before becoming the, the captain of the Enterprise D, uh, was... It had a first contact situation with a ship that we later find out was the first time a Federation ship met a Ferengi ship oh. and the Ferengi ship uh, attacked the Stargazer. And so he uh, came up with his weapon systems were down. He needed a little bit, just a little bit of time to get him back up. Otherwise the ship was going to dis- be destroyed. So he figured out a way to warp away and warp back so quickly uh, and in an instant that it looked like there were two stargazers. Right. So he had a 50-50 shot of the Ferengi shooting the wrong ship that would give him enough time to get his weapon systems back online. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Super ballsy. He says that that maneuver would be worthless because there's 200 some uh, left Romulan warbirds. Uh, he would have to have multiple copies that he could project all over. Gerardi picks up the alien tools and closes her eyes and using her imagination says, this is the kind of device that we would need to make it happen. Turns around, looks at him and says, look at my face. And there is like 20 or 30 copies of her face just smiling, smiling so proud of herself <laughs> and so pure at him saying, I figured this out by using this alien tool. Mm-hmm. I loved that. I thought that it was, was so cool. It's such, it was a little moment of levity in everything else that was happening. I was like, oh, <laughs> And then again, like these details are what makes the show so great. Yeah. Um, At the base of the beacon, Picard hails Soji, who is working at that same computer console with all the other synths around just looking at her very weirdly. Uh, Picard (laughs) asks her to stop what she's doing. She's like, you know, I won't do that. He's like, I have something to give your people and I hope it will change your mind. Uh, And she's like, what is it? And he says his life. And then he's like, Uh, Picard out. He's out. (laughs) So big note here. Picard does mean he's willing to sacrifice his life if need be and blow up in the ship. But that also means he's willing to sacrifice Gerardi. I know. I kind of I heard that and I was like, <laughs> did Gerardi sign up for that? Right. Right. <laughs> I and have expected her to kind of turn around and go, wait, what? <laughs> and like, not to mention, there are holograms on this ship that can fly it. Right. And do things like you do not need you do not need Gerardi there. But neither here nor there. It doesn't come to pass, so it's a it's a non-starter. In the space bot- battle, now all the flowers are officially decimated and gone. Uh, on the Romulan bridge, the officers refer to O as General now, mm. which I think is interesting because it started as Commodore. They, she's now switched into her actual Romulan uh, role, which is General. She says to lock onto the colony. Uh, Gerardi is holding the alien device. Serena positions itself between the planet and the Romulan fleet. General O says to ignore the little ship and says, get ready to use planetary sterilization pattern number five, which makes me think how many planetary sterilization patterns <laughs> right. do the Romulans have and how many planets are they out there just decimating? Picard tells Gerardi to execute the plan, and in an instant, there are hundreds of Serenas warping into place. Hundreds of lost Serenas, all duplicates of the first one using the Picard maneuver, uh, and which makes me think that he did it once. So they hit the warp once, they made one copy. Right, and then, and then multiplied it. Multiplied it. Uh, the Romulans start firing at all the fake ships, but the Serena is hit, and it's kind of tumbling through space before, before Picard is able to stabilize it. The beacon, meanwhile, is 
become activated. Okay, I want to mention that the beacon charging up looked so, and the way that the shot was kind of from above, it looked so like original Star Trek or TNG. I was like, the effects kind of looked a little dated. I don't know. There was something about it that I was like, this looks so OG Star Trek to me. I think you're right. And I think one of the, and Dan, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you pointed out that you didn't like the um, the CGI for Seven becoming a board queen. No, he didn't like that. Okay. Um, so uh, I think that you're right. Like the, the budget this show needs for season two is definitely in CGI. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, and and I, I, uh, the, the, the stream of power that is shooting from the beacon opens up a portal in space. I have a note that says, this is not a beacon. It's a portal projector. Right. And then I write, I cannot stress this enough. This looks directly ripped from Avengers. Yeah. Like, it's just, if the portal was blue, it would be an exact replica. I'm, I'm almost disappointed in them. But again, well, I, I will say this, key. Keith, I will say this. Mm-hmm. Um, how different can a space portal look really? Sure. Yeah. You're absolutely right. It's just, it's so derivative that if like, if you had just made a circle, they were coming through, it might've been better. More Uh, more like the thing that the board cube pushed through that time. Sure. Yeah. 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 I need to hear another. That's just, uh, again, like people are always like, oh, I like this podcast because it's not nitpicky and I'm being a little too nitpicky. No, you're not being too, you're not being too nitpicky at all. I think it's, I think it's fair. And I think what you're saying is fair. I think it's, you know, maybe they're going to up their, their game for season two. Who knows? Yeah, we'll see. Uh, the Romulans are about to fire at the planet when hundreds of Starfleet ships Yay! come out of warp. Such a cool shot. And I just want to say. I love the warping into place. I love the warp. Now. It's my favorite like visual. I love it. too. And I love it. And I was trying to think if this was something that we ever saw in the next generation or if this is a little bit of a Star Wars influence, because oh, we see yes. that a lot in Star Wars. That's where I had seen it before. Okay, and so, I'm, Keith, I need you to weigh in on this because I don't. Oh, I've got thoughts. Okay. okay. <laughs> I've got, got thoughts, thoughts for this scene. Uh, so my immediately re- immediate response was anger. Uh, and then it was subsided with some logic. Now, one, you're right, because when you looked at TNG, um, and even Deep Space Nine, because in Deep Space Nine, there are these gigantic Starfleet battles with the Dominion. So there is a war. You only see uh, a few ships because they're using actual models. They're not using CGI at this mm-hmm. point. Right. So they only have four or five models. They have to like keep resetting and like doubling. Uh, we have not seen something like this. The warping is very Star Wars-ish. This did feel like a Star Wars thing. My immediate thought... And my shaking anger is that these are all the exact same starship. And that's not very Starfleet of them. When you see a right. Starfleet fleet, there's at least 20 different kinds of star starships. Think of Star Trek First Contact and the battle with the board cube. There's barely any repeats of a style of starship. Now, I had a very long debate with my roommate last night about this. And the only thing I can think of and why they're all the same starship is this. Before... The synths destroyed Mars. Every single Starfleet shipyard, including Utopia Planitia, the biggest one that was destroyed, stopped what they were doing and started making one ship, the giant oh, buses. Mm-hmm. So if this, if the attack on Mars really did change the way Starfleet operates and be, we became xenophobic and became shitty, uh, sorry, I just cursed. <clears throat> <laughs> Uh, I just realized uh, that maybe they kind of went with that mentality. Like, you know what? We're going to keep making the same 
And in fact, now they're going to be the biggest, baddest, most hardcore starships we can because now we're on the defensive. We are no longer explorers. Now we're a military. Now, do, right. you, do you do you know the significance of the name of Riker's ship? I looked it up. Yes. Okay. Um. I I also looked it up this morning. I did but not look it up. Zach Holder, friend of the show, uh, who has uh-huh. just messaged me just now. Oh. Within even uh, I had an article that I've already put into the show notes, but he <laughs> gave me an even better summary. So I'd like to share that with At our that listeners, point, Keith, yes. if you're if you're okay with this. Can you hold for one minute? While I, finish I, this I, I will hold tight. Awesome. Okay, so uh, the Romulans. It makes sense that they basically have two. We see three kinds of ships: their regular warbird, Commander O's command ships, and then the smaller support craft because. All the other species always have just three or four kind of ships in right. general. That's not kind of Starfleet's thing, which kind of makes the, what makes Starfleet so powerful. Like when you figure out how to overpower a warbird, everyone knows. Uh, now, the ships that did come in, a lot of them have different nacelles. Some are folded outwards, some are folded inwards, some have square mm-hmm. outputs, some have circle outputs. So there are probably different types of this class of starship, but they are all the same one hundreds. And I guess they would have had 14 years to make these are all the same thing. Uh, and it, it made me a little angry. But the more I think about this Federation and this Starfleet, it does make more sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that's it. That's what I had to say. Uh, let's let's get to Will Riker and then we'll go into Dan, your article. Yes. All right. Uh, so the flag, they, uh, the Romulans say the flagship of this fleet, so not of Starfleet, but of this particular fleet is hailing and on screen can command, uh, acting captain Will Riker. He says, I am acting captain Will Riker in command of the USS Zeng Hei. Go little, ahead. A, a little, a little bit of applause in, uh, in my house when Riker showed up. Yay. He's, sure. he's, he's leaning over. He's mm-hmm. totally chill. He's he knows he knows exactly the position of power that he's he in. He knows what he's packing. It's it was the <laughs> ultimate flex in yeah. that he was just like He's like, you What know, up? We're here now, so it's in your best interest yeah, to, you know. Like NBD, but you're kind of uh need to do what we outgunned. are telling you to do. And that's new for the Federation because in the past Romulan ships have always been much more powerful. Right. Yeah, right. And, and they're the, always a little scared of them a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah, like two Romulan warbirds, you know, are uh, Romulan warbird, the old style, I should say, or the TNG style, is bigger than a galaxy class starship. Two of them uh could probably take over a Starfleet ship. But now that the Romulans are scattered, now that their resources limited, and the Federation has become a really hardcore military. He knows he is in control of this situation. Oh, yeah. And the other thing I was going to mention is, Keith, I don't think that we've seen a Federation starship yet in Star Trek Picard. Yeah, I think this is the first one. We've seen some Romulan birds. We've seen some. We've seen um, Rios' ship. The La Serena. Right. Oh, I think you're right. I can't the remember if there was one the in Borg orbit Q. around Earth or not. I don't think there we was. We might have seen a glimpse of one at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And we saw the Enterprise models inside the archive thing, right. the library, whatever. Oh, that feels and, like so long ago when yeah. you visited that. Yeah. <laughs> They were very careful about how much of the bridge they showed behind Riker 2, and I yes. noticed that, because they haven't really built a bridge set yet. Yeah. Right? but the, I assume the, they're going to for the next season, so it's like, you see a lot of the outside of the ship, they're really careful about what they're showing you inside. Right. It, it was kind of a narrow field of view in there. And but they like, showed yeah. Riker's perspective looking at the view screen, and it looked pretty badass. It looked yeah, it like did. a cool kind Updated of... It looked version. like a Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Okay, 100%. so the significance, the Zheng He was a mm-hmm. Chinese explorer, diplomat, fleet admiral who led the Imperial Treasure Fleet to sail throughout Asia and Africa seven times. So this is the historical- This is in real life. Real life mm-hmm. Zheng He person who existed in, in ancient times. The most mm-hmm. important thing about the Zheng He fleet was that despite its formidable size, its flagship is the largest wooden ship recorded in history. Ooh. His mission was not to plunder and colonize, but to discover, trade, exchange knowledge, form diplomatic relations, and uh, as Zach says in parentheses, flexing muscle along the way too. <laughs> and in this article that I found, which is in Newsweek of all places, um, <laughs> It talks about how the, it talks a little bit about the design of the ship and, and I'll leave this as an exercise for the listener to go and read. Uh, but, um, the, uh, the, the funny thing about it is it says that the name of the ship is itself a very nerdy historical Easter egg. Um, Zheng He, again, 15th century Chinese diplomat. He controlled a group of treasure ships known as the star fleet. Oh my gosh. Beating Star Trek to the name by 500 years. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. I love that. I know. That's wonderful. I love when when things in TV shows or movies really have like little things like I just that that thrills me to no end. But for me, that that shot of Riker just leaning out and he he just he's got a little bit of an Orson Welles vibe happening. And he's a director, too. And And you get to see him in his uniform again. And I was like, oh, there's Riker. Just loved it. (laughs) Absolutely. All right, General O and Will Riker are now fighting over the planet, not physically, but kind of diplomatically. Right. Riker says that the Federation claims the planet under the Treaty of Algeron, which I cannot believe is still a thing, and I will touch on that in a second. And the Romulans say, we have claimed because we got there first. And then Riker says, no, you didn't, and plays the little clip of Picard's when he was calling out to Starfleet and they Mm -hmm. weren't answering him. And he's like, hey, I am... Here, I am asking for diplomatic negotiations to be confirmed contact situation and as well as general protection. So now, like, diplomatically and legally, as far as Starfleet Universe is, the Federation has a claim to this planet and the Romulans don't. <clears throat> Riker says to, oh, uh, General or com- Commodore, whatever you're calling yourself now, <laughs> I am on the bridge of the toughest, fastest, most powerful Starfleet ship ever put into service, and I have a fleet of them at my back. Also, nothing would make me happier than giving him an excuse to kick her treacherous, tall Shiar ass. <laughs> oh. oh, man, that, that felt great. Because that so is good. pure Riker. That is yeah. pure smug, like, give me a reason. Um... Uh, and she should, and Commodore O obviously knows how powerful those ships right. are because she's worked for Starfleet for 15 years. Uh, so the, uh, the Treaty of Algeron was the treaty that ended the, the, the biggest of the two wars between Starfleet and the Romulans. Basically, that's the treaty they're under when Star Trek Next Generation starts. Okay. And they're like, and like the Romulans have disappeared for so long and then they come back and they're like, we're back and like things start getting tense again. But the, the main part of the Treaty of Algeron is like, we're going to cease hostilities, but Starfleet cannot uh, develop cloaking technology. Oh. That's what that treaty does. And I can't believe that Starfleet, without a Romulan star empire in existence, they don't even have a homeworld. Why are they still adhering to this treaty? It's not like the Romulans could go to war with Starfleet anytime soon. And in the right. meantime, to develop clo- cloaking technology would be 
very beneficial to Starfleet, especially since they've become so warlike, at least right. from what we've seen. Right. Right. So why wouldn't they have done that? Yeah. So I can I can see that. That's just where my head's at. Yeah. Uh, Riker says, oh, um, uh, Riker is going to give her one chance to leave, says, I would love to kick your ass, but I'm going to give you uh, th- this second to change your mind and get out of here because that is the Starfleet way. And maybe right. another Starfleet officer would have just said, attack him. But Riker learned from Jean-Luc Picard. Right. So he knows uh, the, the benefit of holding back. I also want to point out that in this shot, there is a fleet of hundreds of Romulan warbirds, hundreds of Starfleet ships, and in the middle is the little La Serena. <laughs> I know. I'm like, don't they need to get out of there? Right, I like was... if they start shooting. <laughs> right. And he like, But that's really endearing. Picard's not backing down. Right. Even though to he's him, in a tiny little ship. <laughs> to him, Starfleet has his back. You know? Yeah. At that moment, uh, we, we're, we're on the bridge. Uh, Picard seems to be in great, great pain. He's holding the back of his head. He looks at Gerardi. She looks at him knowingly and he says, I know. She gets up to scan him with one of those old tricorders. He gives her a nod as if to say, yes, like everything's progressing. I'm probably on the verge of death. He wants to speak with Soji on an open channel and he asks Gerardi to inject him with polysinephrine, uh, which I looked up does not look like it's a real medicine. <laughs> just in Star Star Trek Gerardi says no I won't do it but he says this is only going to speed up the inevitable she gives him the ejection and it seems to help him immediately and immensely he gets on the comms to Soji it's an open channel everyone can see it um, he gives an impassioned speech to Soji saying that uh, and this is kind of the crux of Starfleet right here he's like b- basically boiled down we saved your lives it's time to save our lives in return not as an exchange, but because that's what life is. Right. Life needs to be compassion. It needs to be holding each other up, saving each other's lives. Like I'm not turning these ships on you. I'm giving you the choice right now. It's the portal. We now see giant, uh, I, I, I call these matrix tentacles. Yes. Because it reminds me of the tentacles from the matrix. Yes. Robots are kind of reaching out. Uh, it's almost, uh, also like, like um, Cthulhu style. Yes, that yes. was the first thing I thought. And I of. thought of like Doc Ock's arms. Yes, <laughs> oh, sure, yes, yes. Same thing. And, and, and you know, and, and, and well, from the Tobey Maguire. Yes, from the yes. Tobey one. Yeah. Um, and you know, the thing that really struck me about this was in our in our minds, I think intentionally directed by the show, we were kind of set up to think like of these, that these AI are right. are are in some way like the AI since that we're seeing in the show, like that they're heavenly just, beings. Yeah. Almost. They're this advanced form and yeah, they might be brutal and come and destroy organic life. Like they're bad, but we didn't think of them necessarily as looking monstrous. Like legit hellish. And it seems like this is like a portal to hell that had been opened up right. with nothing short of destructive tent. Like if, if these AI exist in this thing, like, what they send out to take care of this problem is not going to be a friendly, happy face. It's going to be the, an abomination of, of, you know, that they're coming to destroy. Yeah. I thought. (laughs) And that's very astute. Uh, he wants to speak with, uh, Soji on an open channel. We got that, uh, the giant matrix tentacles are coming through the portal. Soji makes the decision in that moment and smashes the console with her Android strength. 
<laughs> and the beacon powers down, which causes the tentacles to retract back into the portal and the portal to close. Though I don't know why. <laughs> my answer. <laughs> right. If you've uh, opened it, why would turning it off close it? Like, I feel like it's like a one way thing. I opened it. Now it's open. Yeah, it's a door. Yeah. Uh, the the Romulans power down their weapons. Uh, Riker orders them away and says they'll be escorted. Uh, and the Romulans like that won't be necessary. And he's like, "Oh, it's my pleasure." And now they're just being passive aggressive towards each other, which I like. <laughs> uh, Riker and Picard have what I call the most romantic scene of the series at this point. Uh, Will says that he would never have let Picard go in alone, uh, though he knows enough not to try to stop him. Uh, he asked for reinstatement as an acting captain as soon as he heard that Picard has sent the SOS from the planet. They give each other beautiful knowing looks. Uh, Will says that he's going to leave the situation in Picard's capable hands. Picard thanks uh, Will for always having his back. Will says he learns from the best. After the comm line is cut, Picard says to himself a very sad adieu. Adieu. Right, because Riker had no idea that that was the last time he might have said goodbye to yeah, Picard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now Picard is in immense pain all of a sudden, is having random memory flashbacks to his dreams and reality, collapses on the deck. Uh, he's still on the open channel to Soji, and she's like, what is going on? And Gerardi's uh, like, he's, you know, this is it, he's going. Soji's like, get him medical help, get him on one of those ships. Picard says there's no point at the stages there, doctor. And Gerardi's like, no, there's not. Um, all the, um, uh, so then uh, Soji beams them, takes down the, 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 uh, the blocks on the colony beams them directly to where she is. Everybody is from the core crew is now surrounding Picard and he is saying his goodbyes. He reaches out to Elnor and touches his face with love. And Elnor gives the slightest little nod as if he understands what he's trying to sell. Mm-hmm. Say he turns to Rafi says, Rafi, you were quite right. Uh, and she's like, what was I right about? And before he can answer, Jean-Luc Picard dies. Hmm. And there was not a dry eye in the house. (laughs) Now, uh, as this happened, I paused the first time I watched it. I paused the show because the the scene fades out. Mm -hmm. As it phased out, I hit pause. And the number of minutes left in the episode were 17 minutes and one second. No, don't you say that. Yeah. If you pause at the moment... He dies and the scene fades no, out. No, how? Wh- what made you do that? Seven, it was. I just paused to like take in the enormity of what was going on. Do you think that Wait, that was intentional? What's the significance? The NC C one seven zero one is the Enterprise. Oh, that's the the, the call sign. Yeah. The call sign for the, the Enterprise registry <sighs> number. They so do that. That had purpose. to be a coincidence, dude. I'm gonna say on I think purpose. it was coincidence. I'm saying coincidence, but. It was a fade out, fade out black, and I paused to accept it. And then I was, was I went to a hit pay, play. I'm like 17 minutes, one second left. No, uh, no, 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 no. I love that. No way. I love it. No way. I will uh, say, though, that when Gerardi was on the deck uh, with Picard when he first collapses, I'm sitting there like yelling at the TV. I'm like, <laughs> use the alien thing that just did basically oh, magic on his brain. Also, Gerardi, you can picture it in your mind. You can imagine it. Other people wouldn't be able to picture okay. what a fixed brain would be. Why wouldn't you picture it? You're the smart one that knows great body com- stuff. Smart. Great <laughs> comment, Hattie. Great comment. I had the same thought yeah. and then I thought I about not. it more. Allow me to shut you down. Yes, shut me down, please. Okay. Please. <laughs> Here's why. Because this was a, an amazing device built by synthetic beings who only, although they may understand biological synthetic, they don't get 
true biological organisms. Right, like cells and, and things. And, and that was the reason that they couldn't do it right. because it's this was meant for machinery and machines. And, and she not, said it fixes things yeah, instead of people. That, or that like was that, my yeah. thinking yeah. about it. And that's why I shut myself down <laughs> and then shut you down with it. Yeah, well, that's, thank you. That is my belief. But I was literally, I was so, because she literally, her hands go goes over the little alien thing and grabs the tricorder. And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, continue. Continue, Keith. Keith. I'm, I'm, I'm liking this whole thing. <laughs> I think you guys are spot on. A short time later, uh, oh yeah, uh, I also want to point out that everyone was crying and sobbing except for Rios. Mm. Uh, a short time later, outside on a, on a colony balcony, Rios is sitting alone and crying. He didn't want to cry in front of everybody else. Seven of Nine approaches him. She's wearing a tank top. And her Borg implants on her arms are exposed, and she's given off hardcore Linda Hamilton vibes. Yeah, very much so. Uh, and I liked this look for her a whole lot because she's such a badass. Um, she sits next to Rios. He's crying. She is drinking what I think is a CGI beverage. I couldn't tell if it was CGI or not because I know I've seen like, um, like if you. <sighs> Oh my gosh, going back in time. If you go to like a Spencer's Gifts, you know, they would have like a all those little like things that have like moving stuff Liquid with in glitter it, yeah. in it. Yeah, like yeah, I feel like, a like lava lamp. yeah, it was something like that. So I was like, it could be just that and somehow they made it edible, but I have no idea. <laughs> uh, Rios reaches for the drink. She's, uh, Seven says she doesn't recommend it. He drinks it anyway. It's obviously gross. I'll point out in Star Trek canon, this is the second green alcoholic nameless drink. Mm. Uh, if you remember the episode where Scotty comes back. I don't know, but it's green. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, he asks Data what the drink is because it's like real alcohol. And Data goes, it is, it is, it is green. But that is the <laughs> reference to the TOS series where um, they are trying to get, Scotty is trying to get this. Was it, were they an alien brain that inhabited the some of the crew members or something like that. And he, they're trying to get them drunk. And, uh, and Scotty is, is making this one guy, um, you know, drunk, drink enough to pass out. And he's like getting liquor from has, a cabinet like, yes. or something. And, and it's he's like, like, Oh, I was saving you. And he brings that I one remember out. And that then, episode. then he brings out the other one. He's like, what's that? And he says, I don't know, but it's green. And they're drinking the green drink. And so that episode in TNG is a callback to Yes. I love it. We later find out in Next Generation that's, uh, I want to say Aldarian or Aldarian whiskey. Neither, neither here nor there. Uh, Rio says, uh, I wasn't going to do it again, but then I effing let it happen again. Seven says, same. Rio asks what she did that she, uh, uh, she said that she would never do again. Seven says so many things, but for instance, kill someone just because it's what they deserve because it feels wrong for them to be alive. She is teary-eyed at this point because killing was difficult for it. It's still yeah. difficult mm-hmm. for it as well. It should be. She still has a soul. Uh, Rio says the thing that he swore he would never let uh, happen again was let another self-righteous, hard-ass old starship captain into his heart. And I broke down at that no. moment. I'm mm. like, Rios, I love, I just love this character. He loved Picard. Um, Seven remarks uh, that her thing was an action and that there was nothing Rios could do to prevent his so that she wins. And I like this because it's seven cents humor. And also from Voyager, she's super, super competitive. Mm-hmm. So even at grief, she needs to be right. a winner. <laughs> right. Mine's worse. <laughs> uh, Rafi, the next morning, is sitting alone just outside the colony on a rock looking at the 
at the colony. Eleanor approaches. She gives a small nod as if to say, yes, it's okay. You can sit here. Uh, they both are crying, but Eleanor absolutely loses it. And then Rafi, her maternal instinct takes over again, and she holds on to Eleanor, and she's like, that's okay. You let it all out. You cry. And I just, I love Rafi so much. I love every character. There's not a single bad character. I love Rafi because like, also Rafi's like the rejected mother. She wants to be a mother real bad, but her, her son kind of rejected her. So she's like, now here's like a young boy that I can be maternal with. That's, I literally wrote, maybe Rafi can be a mom to Elnor. That's what I wrote. (laughs) Nice, nice. I love that. You know, she gets to Uh, get her, her motherly feelings out, you know. Sure. A blurry scene is starting to come into focus. It seems that uh, Picard is alive, but sitting in a study, maybe his study in an armchair in front of a fireplace. And the whole study is like one color. It's all it, it gray. All like it's gray. monochromatic. Which I thought was awesome. I want Nothing that. looks real. Yeah. Like the clock is even painted. Like everything's painted black. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are a whole bunch of religious figurines on a side table behind a couch right there was the buddhist a a vishnu a mm -hmm. buddha all sorts of things uh picard remarks not another damn dream but (sighs) he is corrected by lieutenant commander data in his star trek first contact uniform who says no captain this is not a dream this is a massively complex quantum simulation i want to set the tone for this this is not the data that we have seen in dreams. No. This is an act, like, the way he is acting, it is actually, he is not, like, slow, he is not painting, he is, like, having a real conversation. This feels to me like it's actually data. Right. The first thing he asks, he's, he asks Picard, are you also wearing the clothes that you were wearing when you died? <laughs> Picard looks down, looks at data, and realizes that's the outfit he was wearing when he died, and says, and asks data, am I dead? And Data responds, yes, Captain. Oh. They're talking about their current situation and their beings. We found out that, in fact, this is Data's consciousness from that he transferred to B4. If we remember in Star Trek uh, Nemesis, he, he tried to transfer all his memories into B4. It didn't really take, because B4 wasn't uh, sophisticated enough, but that Bruce Maddox was able to take a neuron from B4 that was Data's, get all his memories, and then Sung was able to create a consciousness out of it. So now this is Data right before his death living inside a computer simulation. Crazy. I have have so many thoughts about this. I have questions and thoughts. This also reminds me a lot of, uh, if you remember from Next Generation, when they created Moriarty as like a sentient yes, uh, yes. accidentally, and then sentient uh, hologram. Then Jordy made the mistake of saying an intellect uh, to match Data's, Data. not to match Sherlock right. Holmes's. Right. But Oops. to kind of satiate him, they put him in a little computer right. that was like its own simulation. And they just, and they just shut, it, right. shut it away into a drawer. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. See you another time, Mr. Moriarty. Uh, we also find out that because this happened right before Data's death, he does not remember his death, but he does know he's inside a computer and he knows that he sacrificed himself for Picard. I guess right. told him. Right. Now, uh, so many questions. I don't even sure. know where to start with this particular thing, but we know that at some point Maddox recreated his consciousness, merging that neuron with the memories, with everything else. And, and data then was alive. His consciousness, <clears throat> the, the data that we knew with all of his memories intact, the, the data is alive inside this simulation. 
Um, so many questions. First of all, I understand why Maddox would do something like that. Pretty cool. Why not? Since he's building tons of androids anyway, why not build one that's data and put data into it? Even yeah. if it didn't look same. the same. Or same or even make but. a copy of all of that and then put it in so that you have the, two. You know, like, well, I, I mean, why I not know. transfer the consciousness into an android body? Clearly they could do that. Because then they can always put it back if they needed to uh, right, but <clears throat> give data life again, let him, let him live, let him come back to life. Why mm -hmm. keep him inside of a simulation? Also, what has he been doing for how, we don't know how long ago Maddox did it years though. Right. Years has data just been Sitting basically in, in prison, right. In the prison of this simulation. That's alone. Just this stupid room for years, just right. chilling in there. Or is it Picard being there that made it, uh, made it look like that and his looks different normally. I right. Don't, I don't know. I mean, all of that was a problem for me. Mm -hmm. All of that was a problem for me. Um, and, uh, and, and so then Picard shows up in there and he's like, yeah, okay. I've just been in here, but I want you to, you know, switch me off. Promise me you're going to switch me off, dude. Cause like on the one hand, he's like, I really want to come to a conclusion of my life. I want to mm -hmm. experience that. And like what makes you human it is makes, that it's what could temporary. make me more human yeah. than having a finite existence and, right. and knowing that for this brief time, I will know that I'm going to die. And that was the one thing he had never really experienced before right. because, you know, he might have been killed or he might have given him, uh, you know, sacrifice himself like he did for Picard. Right. But like all of, of death all and, of us and, listening mm -hmm. to this know that even if we just, chilled out in our house right. and never left and we're totally safe. Eventually we're going to die. He right. never knew that. Right. This gave him the opportunity to know like, okay, my life really is going to be finite now. And I'm going, and I, I that was very beautiful and poetic. Mm -hmm. I loved it. I thought it was a wonderful ending for data. Yeah. Um, but like, it didn't have to go that way. He could have been back in a body yeah. and hanging yeah. out. Maddox, what's your deal? Cause if you can put Picard's full consciousness in there and then dump it out into a golem, why couldn't you have done that for Data, you insensitive jerk? <laughs> and also, why didn't Picard say, wait a minute, if this is a simulation and we're both in here and I've got to go, why can't you come with me? Yeah. Like, let's like rule the galaxy together with father and son or something, <laughs> you know, like do something cool with that, I think. You're not wrong. Yeah. Continue. Keith. Uh, Picard is now finally getting the goodbye he always wanted and he's getting to say the things that he always wanted to say to Data. He expresses regret for Data sacrificing his life for him, but Data reminds him that yeah, he just sacrificed his life for Soji and that neither of them have regrets. Uh, when Picard asks more about their surroundings, Data goes more into the fact that it's just a complex simulation uh, about the neuron that had been salvaged, and he talks about uh, his brother his brother Alton Sung, not Lore, Alton mm -hmm, Sung, right. recreating his consciousness. Picard says he doesn't much care for Alton. Uh, Data responds that the Sungs are an acquired taste, which I really <laughs> like. Because, yes. Uh, Picard says that one of his many, many regrets was never telling Data that he loved him. Data responds that he... like. A small but not insignificant amount of his programming, like, is absolutely aware of that, mm -hmm. and that he hopes that is that is comforting. And Picard goes, "It is. Thank you, Data." Mm -hmm. um, and that means that Data also knew that Picard loved him while he was alive, and that's pretty beautiful. And that yeah. makes me sh shed a tear. Um, Data asks Picard for a favor when he leaves. Uh, uh, 
Picard asks, uh, cuts him off, like, how could I leave if it's a simulation? And Data explains that just before his brain lost all function, Soji, Jurati, and Alton took a complete mapping and transfer of his complete neural image of his brain substrates, which I don't understand, uh, and that they are mapping it for some reason so that he is actually mobile. A door opens right behind him with a big white light through it at this exact moment, and there's also an Enterprise D door opening sound, ah. which I thought was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Picard worries at this moment, um, and you can see like actual real fear in his face. He's like, do I have to go? And Data right. says yes. He wants to stay there with Data. Well, I think that's it's very reminiscent of a lot of the way uh, different movies and TV shows and things like that and books have almost treated that kind of afterlife in a way of you don't want to go back because heaven, whatever the good place that you go to, you you feel like you want to stay because that's where the people that you love are and things like that. But then you have to go back to the world. And I think that's a very common theme throughout stuff. And so I like that they put that in there. Uh, he gets up to leave, uh, but before he remembers uh, what, what he, Data asks him for a favor, is like, what's the favor? Data says he would be profoundly grateful if Picard was terminate his consciousness after he leaves. Yeah. Uh, Data is anxious to live, however short, with a finite existence. Now, I would go so far as to say that Data's actually probably gone a little bit insane, because who um. wouldn't? Yeah, you know, locked like, in that room by we, yourself. <laughs> we know that androids uh, experience time differently from us through TNG and through first contact, that even par- portions of a second can feel like an eternity. Ugh. So he's been here for so long, you know, without any interaction with any other person. Like, he, he has probably experienced everything he wants to at this point. Right. He says that mortality is a characteristic of a human life, and we know that... Data's main uh, goal for his his whole existence was to have a human life. That peace, love, and friendship are precious because they cannot endure. He releases a synthetic butterfly from his hand and comments that a butterfly that lives forever is not really a butterfly at all. And we'll call back to Picard's uh, interaction with the butterfly. Mm -hmm. Oh, 100%. Mm -hmm. Lucky you. Picard agrees. Data thanks him. They share one last goodbye. Um, it's beautiful and it's everything I wanted. It's data with a bow wrapped yeah. on it. Yeah. And yeah. I'm so happy that happened. Wasn't, wasn't a better way to do that in my opinion. Absolutely. Uh, Picard wakes up mostly naked in the golem chamber. He's wearing a little gold speedo. And you uh, know what? He looks great. Does look great. You can still <laughs> get it. Uh, Soji is smiling down at him. So is Jurati. And then, uh, Alton Sung is in the background. The first thing Picard asks, am I real? Which is what Soji just asked Picard, right? right? Remember when she found out? I was like, ooh, a little callback. And and Soji also asked Jurati, like, this is Soji's whole journey. But now Soji looks down smiling and says, of course you are. Because she's like, everyone's told me I'm real, so you must be too. The four of them sit down at a table, and he seems to be drinking something, which I can only imagine is Earl Grey. They are (laughs) explaining his new body, and it is, is exactly like the old one. So... For those of us uh, who are like, what the hell just happened? Right. They, they have taken Picard's consciousness, mapped it, copied it, first put it in this computer for storage, and then uploaded it into the Gollum body, which was an organic synthetic body. Totally called it. Yes. You, yes. you told me that. And I thought the same thing when I was like, oh, they're going to put it in the Gollum. They got to. I when did he, not think that. 
yeah. I did not at all think this was going to happen. <laughs> as he was as he was dying by the beacon thing, I was like, "They why don't they just go do that? They should just go do that." <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yep. were right. Uh, they explained that everything is exactly like the old body, except everything's new, which means now he has a real heart and not a synthetic heart. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, the whole thing's heart. synthetic, but right, right. Well, yeah, but it's organic at least, and not a, a machine. He does not have any augmentations. Jardy says you have no superpowers. <laughs> the only change is that the brain abnormality is gone for good. He is amused and elated and says extraordinary in a very Picard style way, mm-hmm. which I love. Then in an instant, he looks absolutely horrified, taken aback <laughs> as if there are Borg in the room. He asks, you haven't made me immortal, have you? Sung says, relax, man. We were all paying attention. Right. Which we know. <laughs> such a cool meta thing to say. Like, the whole point of all this is nobody wants or should be immortal. Right. Right. He, right. He's like, we took care of you. Gerardi uh, and Soji explain that you will die a natural course. You'll have roughly the same number of years you would have had without the brain abnormality. Picard jests that, yeah, I wouldn't have minded another 10 years, maybe mm-hmm. even 20. He thanks Sung for the golem since he knows what a big sacrifice it made because the golem was originally supposed to be for Sung. I do not understand why Sung sacrificed the golem for Picard at all, but I'm just going to let that go. Right. Like, where was the motivation? I, sure. I think there were enough people standing next to him saying, we've got to do this. You know, it's probably be a good idea to do this. You selfish jerk. <laughs> And also, you created all these beings that were going to take out all of humanity. And also, you know what else? Soong is much younger than Picard. I was going to say, he's nowhere near he's Picard's got, age. He's got 20, 20 or 30 years to make a new one. And he's got Gerardi there to help him if, anyway. So Now, no, I, 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 I... Oh, well, yeah, not anymore. <laughs> yeah, she's but. not staying. Um, but uh, before you continue, Keith, there was something that I, I wanted to uh, add. An- another sure. Newsweek article. I don't think I've ever linked to a Newsweek article in my life before. <laughs> But uh, speaking to The Hollywood Reporter, Patrick Stewart said of the episode's end, I only learned of Picard's death way into shooting the first season because that final episode wasn't written yet and I didn't know it was part of the storyline. Article continues, this interview also contains a big hint of what fans might expect from season two now that Data is dead and Picard has a brand new body. Quote, one great afternoon we had three visitors on the set, Stewart says. There was Jonathan, uh, Frakes, um, Marina, and me and Brent and then who else would turn up but Michael Dorn, Worf and LeVar Burton, Jordy. It was an extraordinary reunion. Stuart does not say what Dorn and Burton were doing on set, but this could spell the return of two more beloved characters in the next season of the CBS All Access show. Oh, I guarantee it. Uh, yeah. I thought that would be amazing. There's another little piece of uh, of data uh, <laughs> data here <laughs> that I wanted to, to share. Um, and uh, And they say... Um, okay, here it is. Um, oh, this isn't a different article, but one of the things that they were saying is that, um, that Picard's character will be changed and the way that he works will be different because he himself is now an artificial life form. And although it's still his brain and still his consciousness and personality that there will be um, some, some, differences. some differences. And, uh, mm. and I'm looking for the quote about that in this article a different article and i haven't uh okay here's what it says gosh i'm sorry i don't have this prepared i had it and then i closed it and then you try to do something on a show and it never works the way that well, you want okay i will kill time for you yes. I, my my oh my big overarching question i think that we've all kind of asked ourselves when soji was going through this too is is this the same picard to you 
is this no. still Captain Picard? And if you say no, are you racist against synths? Yes. <laughs> that was my question. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, we, there there is this long-running debate in the Star Trek right. universe of how do transporters work? Oh, I just had this fight last night. I'm ready to fight about this. <laughs> well, there there are people who are in the camp that say it is actively transferring you and every bit and piece of you, including your consciousness and soul and everything, it all gets transformed. And then there's another camp that says it's basically destroying you and recreating a new version of you so that in a sense, every time, uh, no spoilers, but we've seen Hugh Jackman go through something similar. Don't don't call it out. People might not have seen it. But, um, but yes, you, people who who know what yes. we're talking about know what we're talking about. It's it's a very physical way to think about that if you watch that movie. Yes. And so it's but are you essentially? There is a being, definitive answer to this, and people just ignore it. What is the definitive answer? They explain how transporters work time and time again. It takes your body, it converts matter to energy. All your matter is now a stream of energy. It shoots that beam of energy, and then it is recreate it into matter it is you there is no one new being created right so it's taking it takes your cells converts them to energy then con- those energy go and back and converts cells. that same energy back into back the into same the cells, cells. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah because of conservation of energy laws of uh, physics in the universe uh you you can't nothing can completely go away unless technically it goes into a black hole and then it does kind of fade away because yeah. black holes fade away and where did all the matter that went into them but and I thought matter doesn't light. actually go away but it does in a black yeah. hole right. but that's quantum <laughs> physics and it's a different thing things rules break down long story short it's still you is this still picard it is and it isn't right so it, it depends on how it worked it like when they said they scanned and mapped his it's like I feel like if you took like the actual brain energy or like impulses and put them in a computer and then into the body, sure it's still him. I don't think they did that. I think they made a copy. They of made his a copy. Memory engrams. Mm-hmm. So like, like to to happy to us, it's still Picard in every possible way. Right. I don't think in actuality it is. I think he died and this is a copy of him. But I'm saying we couldn't tell the difference. No, of right. course not. Nobody and and could. it's still his name. his thoughts will still be mostly the same and things but but in this one article it did say that there that there that that's is a little bit different. He is different. He is different. Interesting. I you know and I was also thinking about how this is a different kind of assimilation in a way. It's oh, a yeah. positive one. And so I feel like maybe that helped that might help him reset a little bit from that really terrible experience. Like now I really have been assimilated, but it's for a good thing. And it's, I don't know. Sure. I just, I thought of that. I was like, Oh, a little parallel. Uh, I feel like just let him die. Like I love Picard and I want this series to go on forever, but like he's been through so much yeah. and now like he finally died, but they made a copy of him that's to keep on suffering. But <laughs> technically he's this, this Picard has never suffered before. Because That's he's brand new. Right. And think about this. They said, he said, oh, I wouldn't mind another 10, maybe even 20. Now, was he talking about, I would have liked a complete 10 and without this virus, I would have only lived like another six. You know, no, like, was I he. I think he's saying that he knew his an, time was up. Right. He and, was about to die. And he's like, I wouldn't have minded another 10 years, maybe 20. And that's what now what he's got. So, okay. So he has like 10 or 20. Okay. I see. Yeah. That's what he's got. He's got 10 or 20 years left. Theoretically. Okay. You guys ready? Yep. Yes. Uh, he he goes on to say, uh, Picard goes on to say to Sung after thanking him for the sacrifice that now they both have something to lose. 
cut to Data inside the quantum simulation. He looks svelte. He is wearing a smoking jacket. A little turtleneck. Brandy Mm -hmm. turtleneck. He's sitting in the armchair. He looks absolutely enthralled in this moment. Just like waves of pleasure crashing over his body. He is. He's listening to blue skies in the background. He is now existing in a finite universe for the he first knows. time. And you Ever. know what? He's hmm. his outfit looks so Sherlock Holmes yes, to me. Yes. I was like his yeah. total idol. You know, which makes me think that he can control this universe he's mm-hmm. in. Like he is projecting things, which comes back in a second. Picard gives a beautiful eulogy to him. Inside the simulation, Data sets down a pillow on the couch. He lays down and closes his eyes. Uh, Picard slowly starts taking out what looks to me like these giant isolinear chips from the computer that mm-hmm. is the simulation. It's being shut down. And then, in a red uniform, Picard is in the si- simulation, sitting next to Data, holding his hand, which I believe is just a mental projection. I thought so, well, too. And I don't know if you noticed at the very last minute, you don't actually really get to see Picard's face. They're, they're very, you know, it's more of a, like, almost like when you're in a dream, yeah. you're like, you know, it's that person, but you can't really see them. But sure. also, it's a young Picard. It's it's the younger one that in we know younger, from Next Generation. right? Uniform. Mm-hmm. yeah. It might have almost been better to never have shown his face, but neither here nor there. Uh, based on the jacket he was wearing, I have to assume that, uh, yeah, everything in the simulation is just completely coming out of Data's mind. He's making this Picard father figure holding his hand. The eulogy continues as Picard keeps pulling the isolinear chips out of the simulation. Uh, after the final chip is uh, pulled out, we see Data on a couch with a bright light shining right behind him, and he looks very old. Yeah, he's aging. Yes. Yeah. He's got wrinkled skin, gray hair, the monochromatic skin. He looks like a a statue, Mm -hmm. like a carved marble statue of like an ancient person. Um, uh, So he and the projection of Picard now slowly disappear, and finally the entire simulation disappears with just a space skate behind them. And Data is officially gone. Bye, Data. Bye, Data. We love you. For the first time, truly, really gone. We thought, you know, he was gone in Nemesis, but then we were given that bit of hope with Before Mm -hmm. and singing the tune. And and now we know really, truly goodbye to our friend Data. And if you put those chips back in, it doesn't bring him back, right? No. I have no idea. It might just be stored. He's gone. But we also know that some of his memories are in the other synthetic beings. Right. Right. And Soji. So he he has left a legacy in in, in his children and grandchildren or great-grandchildren or whatever. But but he himself, the Data that we know, finally was given a a conclusion to his story. I will say I didn't like the wig they chose for data in the simulation agreed it was a little hard i don't know it's something harsh about it It was too dark little max headroom yeah it looked a little too clean i don't know joel commented when we were watching this that uh he said he said you know i felt much more when data died than, than when picard. i thought picard mm-hmm. had died yeah of course uh, my roommate said the same thing i feel it uh because you knew picard was coming back yeah, it's all you know. We we keep likening this episode to Star Wars, but like in that last Star Wars film, everyone died and then everyone came back immediately. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, it's like, and it, and it feels like that. Like you don't, if they ever do kill him for real in the show, it's not going to have the same gravity because we've already had it, mm-hmm. and we we're, we're never going to trust it. Mm-hmm. All right, 
Next, we see the last Serena. Rios is just sitting on the captain's chair on the bridge, with a cigar in hand, just by himself. But then Gerardi comes up and puts his hand, her hand on his shoulder, and they kiss. I guess this also means that Gerardi's not going to jail for the uh, death of Bruce Maddox. Yeah. Neither here nor there. I just sort uh, of swept, th- swept under the rug. Sure. Again, we'll blame the... the Everyone goes crazy when they when they have the uh, the admonition. So yeah. we'll blame it on that. The camera moves past him to the lower deck at the picnic table. Rafi and Seven are playing Calto, which I thought was amazing. <laughs> Calto is a uh, prominently featured uh, Vulcan logic game that is in Voyager. So for people like us who haven't seen Voyager and don't know what this game was, it looked like they were just holding hands. Okay, so. Forget that. There's an object in between them with a bunch of sticks that look like they're glued together. And it's okay. a Vulcan logic game that she, uh, she has played with uh, with a, another character on the show. But yeah, they're holding hands. And then in a second, they intertwine their fingers. Ooh. And for the first time this episode, I start screaming. <laughs> Finally, here is my screaming moment because there's going to be a relationship between Seven and Rafi. And that is freaking rad it seemed like it it seemed like it. yeah so i think that was a pure setup for season two that was just like this is what's gonna be going on i want this more than anything yes yep it's gonna be great (laughs) i have to imagine everybody in the future is bisexual by the way yeah i can kind of see that yeah you know there's no there's no there's no divisions anymore just whatever feels right they touch a lot in this on deep space nine um but neither here nor there. I'm super excited about that. Picard from the upper deck uh, says down to everyone, it's time. And Eleanor is walking right behind him. And then every crew member comes to the bridge. Rio, Strati, Rafi, Seven, Eleanor, Soji, and Picard. We finally have all seven. We every got our Star Trek series yes. has seven main characters. And seven, now we have seven main characters. And seven is seven of seven Not, characters she, now <laughs> she is uh, Picard asks Soji if this is really what she wants she says that since they have lifted the ban on synthetics which I guess is good for Picard since he is one now <laughs> she's right. free to she's free to travel and feels more at home wandering and he pauses for a minute and says I am you know I am too because too. he's an explorer at heart yeah Rios turns and says ready Admiral and he kind of gives a double take at Rios because Rios is not usually this respectful, but everyone's looking at him bright eyed and they're like, yeah, like Rios is like, I put my trust in my heart in this, you know, hard ass captain. And now it paid off. They are an actual crew. I don't know what they're doing, but they're going on some sort of adventure. <laughs> uh, the Star Trek Next Generation theme starts to play in the background and Picard orders engage as everyone smiles ear to ear. That's the end of the episode and, and the, the first the season. season. So uh, good. I was so good. Really happy with it. One thing I want to mention that that I know for a fact that Keith already knows that I did not know. And when I told Hattie, uh, you freaked out about it. You are going to freak out, Keith. Keith has to know this. I don't think what? he does because I think he would have mentioned it. Well, did, get ready. Did, did you think at all about the version of Blue Skies that we heard uh, with data with data? Does what that, about it? Did it ring a bell to you? That it was playing at the very beginning of the first episode? I saw. You, I thought that too. Did but. you recognize the voice of the no. person singing it? Would you be shocked to know that it is the actress who plays Soji? 
What? Uh-huh. Yes, it's in the show notes for people who would like to listen. She's a singer. She has an amazing voice, and that is her singing, and that is a special version Aww. of the song that they made just for the show. <laughs> that blew my mind. Yeah, and that's amazing. Crazy. I was it like, she's got a great voice, and she's kind of dated his daughter. So that makes yeah, sense. I it's thought really that was good. sweet. Really got me. Really got me. So, I was going to say uh, that that little exchange between Soji and Picard there at the end was. They're now the same. They're, she feels closer to him. And I think that goes back to what Kestra was saying. She was like, you could have Picard. And I think she always felt like they weren't close right, enough. But right. now that he is a synth too, it's like, oh, oh we're, family. yeah, fa- they're family now. So yes. I, I thought that was, she. now she's like, okay, I'll let you in. I'll let you be be the father figure that I right. never really had. And you know what? In a, in a way, now they are actually related. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so yeah. I thought that oh, was sweet. Totally. Totally. Uh, the the theory I have written down right now, despite the fact that we're definitely going to see Captain War for the Enterprise, um, is that they are setting up this super happy ending to rip it away from us in the first episode of season yeah. two. Yeah, has these to. guys are on a tiny little ship without a lot of resources. It's seven of them crammed in. I think tempers are going to be flared, and they're gonna, like there's going to be torturing happen. Like they're going to go through some really rough stuff next season. Yeah, I, I think, think so, they're too. they're lulling us in a very false sense of security. Right. Um, I also, uh, another note I have here that's just kind of out of order is, um, I think when Picard was talking to Soji through the um, the open channel and saying, like, I'm going to give y'all my life, that goes mm-hmm. back to their conversation when they were talking about the logic of sacrifice, and he was talking oh, to her about man. all that. And I was like, oh, that's why it kind of hit home with her, where she was like, oh, I understand it now. You know, it all kind of came, and that's why she decided to smash the thing. Oh, great. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, I, I I would suggest that we take a week to digest this episode. Yes, I agree. Next week, we're going to come back, and we're going to give... Not a review, but more like the the more of the takeaways and the feelings, mm-hmm. and, and more just like a review of the entire season of the whole oh, thing. That's a great idea. Overarching, oh, love it. Overarching. I was literally making that hand movement when you said uh-huh. that. Guy. Yes, I was making an overarch <laughs> with my hand. Um, and then afterwards, we we go monthly, and uh, we will assign individual episodes of Star Trek: The Next Generation that specifically deal with Picard and his moral conundrums. Right. So and then we will discuss this character building of him over the years. I so think that's great. My suggestion would be for the three of us, and we would again, listeners, please, this is your chance to control the content of the show. Send mm-hmm. in your emails, Picard at five by five dot TV or uh, Picard at Fireside FM. Click contact. Your, your favorite yeah. Picard episodes, episodes that you might hate about Picard, but that must be discussed and why send them in. Give us your ideas, your thoughts, your content. Any send us your feedback. That you saw throughout this episode. And what mm-hmm. I think I mean, we'll do season. is we will take our own ideas, yes. add to the ones that the listeners suggest. And then on next week's or not next week's, but the week after next week's show, when we reconvene here. Yes. We will share that list and I suggest we come up with the order so that at the very least we can tell the listeners next next time we do a show what their homework assignment is at the end, what show to listen Mm -hmm. to uh, or watch for the next episode that we do. I have a lot of questions about certain characters and what happened to them. Should I ask those now or save them for the overarching? overarching. That would be a wonderful thing to do. So with that, we end. We bid you. Adieu. Adieu. But only for a week. (laughs) Only for a week or so, and we'll be back. Uh, So thanks, everybody, for listening. 
and being on this journey with being us. Being with us. And we will be back. You are our crew of That's the right. Lost all, all, all The three of us and the other four people who listen to the show. Exactly. The seven that is yes. our own crew. <laughs> so thanks everybody for listening and uh, adieu. Adieu. Adieu.